You're listening to an episode of a Wondery Plus exclusive series. To continue, join Wondery Plus today and enjoy ad-free listening to over 30,000 episodes, early access to your favorite podcasts, and more. Find Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts or the Wondery app. Echoverse presents The Lesser Dead. I'm going to tell you about a year. This year. 1978. Mostly I'm doing this for myself. Trying to make sense of things, you know? As much sense as can be made. This isn't a story about nice people doing nice things. You're gonna be burdened with an unreliable narrator who will disappoint and repel you at every turn. Most of it happens someplace dark and damp, where good people don't go. This is a place with monsters. Real ones. This is a story about hurting people, and if you like those kind of stories, it means you're bad. It means there's something broken in you. You're lesser. Like me. Going into the subway now. You don't need money. Only suckers pay. I'll show you how we get into the loops through a bricked-up window with loose bricks, through a trap door, into the ventilation system, access tunnel, train tunnel. Then we'll jump up on the platform. If you're not too big, that's good. Larger people don't do so good in the loops. That's the tunnels around and under the subways. Anyway, I just want to give you a peep at something. You gotta stay awake down here. Every minute. Watch your feet. You gotta keep clear of that third rail. You know what stepping on that third rail would be like? You know that three-headed monster, Ghidra? The one that got curb-stomped by Godzilla? The one shooting lightning bolts out of his three snaky heads? The third rail is all three heads up your ass, full of lightning. You fucking explode. I'm not even kidding when I say that. All right. Here's the platform. Come on. Here's what I wanted to show you. You see that guy in super wide collar and tinted glasses? The guy with the briefcase? The guy who looks like a watered-down James Caan? Good. Now see the handsome young stud shadowing him? That's me. Welcome to the magic of storytelling. I can tell this however I want. I'm here, I'm there, I'm your narrator. It feels kind of good, doesn't it? Like no matter what happens, it's not your fault. You're just the passenger, and I'm in charge. And I know I can trust you, so I'm going to tell you a secret. The secret is, vampires are real, and I am one. And if I set my sights on you, No cop is coming, and no doctor can help you. And your own mother won't believe you if you tell her, though you won't remember a thing. I look like a high school junior, but I'm pushing 60. And if I catch you alone, I'm gonna steal from you what is most truly yours. And I'm not sorry. (sighs) 
Isn't that fun? <laughs> I just take what I need, right? Because that's how you do it if you don't want to get caught. Creeps who kill people, that's stupid. That's a waste. We call that peeling, and it's strictly fucking forbidden. You follow a few basic rules, and the life, or the unlife or whatever, can be pretty easy. It was fun down here not too long ago. Come on, I'll show you. We're gonna rewind a little now. It's the same shit cold February night in Grand Central, just earlier. That crazy black dude singing over there? The one with the voice like burnt honey? That's Billy Bang. Thank you, young lady. <laughs> she ain't really young. Billy's just smooth like that. You stay fine. You He's one of us, a vampire. Or as we say, family. Anybody else walking up on Billy Bang would think he was just a particularly good busker. One of those world shakers on his way to Nashville or LA. Mirrored sunglasses, cocked cowboy hat, snakeskin boots. Hard not to envy him getting turned when he did. Son of a bitch gets to be 28. Forever. Joey, I'm in. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey, I got the handshake. <laughs> yeah, almost. <laughs> What's shaking? Just living the life, BB, you? Oh, you know, how to get out for a bit. <laughs> a word to the wise, stay out of Margaret's way. She sat on something sideways, and you know how she gets. Yeah, everybody in the loops knows how Margaret gets. It's not so bad, down here in the pitch black. Things change once you turn. Darkness isn't so dark. Everything seems candlelit. Even the blackest black, incandescent. Everything down here is subtly Beautifully incandescent. Nothing ugly about darkness. Know what's ugly? Sunlight. It'll burn you. Burn you dead. But even indirect sunlight's like looking into a white-hot welder's torch. Overcast days make us queasy. We all have sunglasses if we go topside on a rainy day or at dusk. Down here, though, low-light bliss. All right, nickel tour. This is the common area. We live around this. Here's the washing area. Spigot and a drain. We should have stole more rat poison. MTA puts it down sometimes. Not enough. I feel it. The hand on my shoulder. And I know who it is. The guy you never hear coming. Our boogeyman, old boy. Wearing his dusty old army jacket. His hair a little longer than they let him in the army. How you doing, old boy? Peaches and cream. She wants you. And who holds old boy's leash? Margaret, the mayor of the loops. Of course, she's really more of a queen than a mayor. I mean, I didn't get a fucking vote. It's a long walk to Margaret's, and she likes it that way. Likes to give you time to overthink why you've been summoned. Margaret likes you to know old boy is walking in your blind spot with a big-ass green beret knife on his hip. And when you're at last granted access to the royal mayoral apartments, she wants you to know you're talking to the boss. Imagine the most elegant, expensive hotel bar you ever saw. 
Not big, but rich. Built back when New York was like, fuck you, we got prettier shit underground than you got in the daylight. Gold everywhere. Art Nouveau stuff, the way they only ever did it in like 1900. And in the middle of all this beauty, on a green velvet couch, Mr. Paycock, sits dirty, scary-ass Margaret in a faded bathrobe with her brown hair hung around a handsome but tired face, moving slow like a big cat that doesn't have to hurry for anybody. But if she does spring, that's your ass. There's something I want you to do for me. Her legs are crossed, one foot bouncing a flip-flop sandal. It's hypnotic. Here's this pink flip-flop you'd expect to see on some Coney Island teenager, but it's hanging off of Margaret McManus's pale, dead foot. I mean, what did that sandal ever do to wind up down here? On that? Is there something especially interesting about my fucking foot? No, I... your sandal. I was just... You know, Joseph, there's nights I think you might be salvageable. And there's nights I'm convinced you're an Egypt right down to your bones. Can you guess which kind of night I'm having now? I... Ah, don't talk. It's retarded. Oh, people are always talking with nothing to say. That's their wool gathering when there's something to be heard. Where I come from, people are thick as fucking stones, but they don't cry about every little thing, do they? They know who they are and where they belong. They don't have notions. And they don't take more than they need, not of anything. Greed. That's what fucks things up. That's what gets you noticed. Look here. Canadian tourist and his daughter went missing near the park. She's still gone. But him, him they found in a trash can with his eyes plucked out of his head and not a drop of blood in him. That's a family job or I'm a Baptist. Where family business gets in the paper, it becomes my business. We've got a peeler working sloppy and I want him found. A peeler. That's what we call vampires who leave bodies laying around. Peelers. And peelers get dead, at least in Margaret's territory. She does it herself or farms it out to the Corazonas Frios in the Bronx. But it gets done. She takes up a shovel. It's one of those old-fashioned, flat-edged ones. It's never far from her. And she starts sharpening it with a stone. You could cut tomatoes with it. It's basically a guillotine on a stick. So, what do you want me to do? You're going up by the park tonight, aren't you? How do you... I've got my eyes open, haven't I? I know you play house with those poor fat cows in Yorkville. That's fine. We all get by how we can. You go do what you normally would with those fuckers, but first, take a stroll through the park. See if anything looks off to you. See if you see any family. You're not the only one I'm sending. I stagger you. Can you do that? I can. Good. That'll do. This fucking smith. Shit, I didn't see you there, Ruth. That's the point. <laughs> it's only as I'm leaving as I notice Ruth, grim and still as a Susan B. Anthony dollar. If old boy's the attack dog, she's the palace guard. Ruth's always around Margaret. I don't know what they are to each other. I got some ideas. But if they are that, they're both from a time that doesn't talk about it. Good for them. I guess they are, what's the word? Complimentary. Margaret, sending out the troops to make sure somebody else doesn't ruin our action. Makes sense. We've got it good. 
Now you've seen the mayor's place. You want to see my digs? Kind of a letdown after all that fallen splendor, but it ain't so bad. Welcome to Shea Peacock. You know how they tell kids not to play in old refrigerators so they don't suffocate? You can't suffocate when you're dead. This is my fridge. I like fridge magnets, can't you tell? I mean, you gotta sleep in something. And this unit is pretty boss. Just look at this shade of blue. Turquoise Dream, 1965. Must have made every lonely young housewife wet as the Hudson just looking at it. Just imagine filling it up with chicken salad, pickles. I'm grabbing some money and breath freshener on my way out. It's like a dorm, isn't it? Except it's dark and dirty and full of creeps. On second thought, maybe it's not so different. Not that I've been to college, but I visited a couple, if you know what I mean. Looks like Svetko's home. He's my neighbor. Kind of an old wet blanket, but that just makes him more fun to victimize. <laughs> ah, Joseph Peacock. Nice, Svetko. Uh, how touched I am that our acquaintance is so familiar that you no longer feel the need to knock before you enter. <laughs> and, and why pause now in your presumption? Come in, sit. Our visit must be brief, however, as our chiefess has told me to go out in search of this mm, undisciplined vampire. You too, I suspect. If we could just give me a minute, I'll give you the attention you deserve as I finish this last letter. Oh, that's right. It's Valentine's Day. You're doing one of your little old lady letters. And in a red envelope, too. Let me see. Let me see. This, this, is, this, this oh, is not polite. Dear Mrs. Greengrass, really. Though you do not know me, I hope you will forgive me for saying that I've been impressed from afar by your charm and bearing. Are you an Englishwoman? Do I detect Devonshire when I hear your speech in passing? Blah, blah, blah. This is a long-ass letter. I like the George Washington stamp, though. Like a little old man praying for Nookie. It's perfect for you. Hey, when do you get to the, would you mind ever so much if I poke holes in your neck and suck part? And what is she, like, 90? She is, perhaps... 79. That's practically a fucking college girl. You know what that is? Writing letters to people you're gonna bite? Asking him if it's okay? Stupid. That's what. This is an unkind word, Joseph, as well as a lazy word. It's clearly the effect of television. What do you know about television? I know that you're addicted to it. That's bullshit, Svetko. You watch it every night. You're predictable. It's not a good trait in a predator. I'll watch if I want to. And I want to. Mm, well, it controls you. No, I just want you to. You have no choice. Fine. I won't watch television tonight. Are you going to fucking make me uh, promise yeah, now, aren't mm-hmm. you? Do you promise? Fuck it. Sure. I promise. Please do not lie to me. <laughs> as God is my witness. The one thing about God is my witness, he tends to look the other way a lot. At least I hope so. And if I was really going to break myself from the two... It sure as hell wouldn't be on a Tuesday night. That's when all the best shows are on. And I got a great TV to watch them on, too. Wait until you see how sweet this setup is. (laughs) These are the Bakers. And this thick piece of veal in the Lazy Boy is their kid, Mikey. That's me on the couch, working on Mrs. Baker's arm. You see how I got a towel under it so I don't get any stains on my threads? I'm going out later. I already did a lap around Central Park like Margaret said, and I didn't see shit. Work time's over. Now, it's dinner and a show. 
How do you like this kid? Even Charmed he's a pain in the ass. Bullshit, Mikey. This is the smartest thing on television right now. You like what, Happy Days? Hey. <laughs> the hypnotized little butterball actually says hey. I laugh so hard I shoot some of Mrs. Baker's blood out of my nose. Yeah. I think your mom's had enough. Your turn, Mikey. Scoot your ass over. Oh, you know it. He wrinkles his brow. He doesn't like this. I almost feel bad. What's the matter, Mikey? Does it hurt when I bite you? And that little mouse whimper triggers something primitive in his dad. Charmed or not, and he stands up. Sit down, Victor. Mikey, when I bite you, it only hurts a little, right? Yeah, like a shot. But shots are good for you, right? Think about that, why don't you? So this is good for me? Well, it's good for me. So I poke Mikey's sweet, meaty neck and drink. Then I bite his dad, who smells and tastes like high karate aftershave. And we watch the rest of my show together. Maybe Svetko's right about TV rotting your brain. The people who watch a lot of boob tube charm extra easy. Also, I would have never picked this apartment if I hadn't seen the light of their big, beautiful, brand new console set from the sidewalk below. Think about that next time you're at Crazy Eddie's shopping for TVs. You're buying a light that just might draw in a lonely, hungry moth through your window. See how good things are right now? Wouldn't it be great if they stayed like that? Yeah, well, fuck me, I guess. A quick stroll through snowy-ass Yorkville, then down into the 86th Street Station. I hopped a turnstile, then, just for a laugh, walk in the blind spot of a briefcase-carrying guy who looks a little like James Caan. You remember him? That's right. We're back where we started. He doesn't see me at all even when he turns around. I'm fast like that. Then I see this chick. She's sort of the marker between the easy routine I had before and the ever-widening ditch of shit on fire that is to come. You ever have a year like that? Where things are just going along fine, and then something wacko comes out of nowhere, and suddenly everything sucks? Sure you have. And I was just about to have it too. Only all I know now is there's this fox standing in front of me. I want to investigate. So I lose the briefcase guy and move through the crowd to stand near her. Oh, oh, excuse me, sorry. Excuse me. Thanks. So now I'm behind her as the train pulls up. Real honey of a girl. 21, 22. Denim jacket. Dirty blonde. Fits in her jeans like a packed lunch. Looks a little like that leather Tuscadero chick on Happy Days, but taller. We're standing about five feet apart. Not too many people in the car. She's just about to look at me. I can always tell when you're about to look at me. I smile. She smiles. Our closest neighbor is a Chinese woman reading Danielle Steele. Passion's promise. Don't make me laugh. 
At 77th, everybody but the Chinese woman gets off our car. I notice some folks get in the next car, where the shitty James Conn is, including a kid. But I'm not really paying attention yet. My focus is still on Leather Tuscadero. I told you she's not important to the story, but I remember her, right down to the buttons, because of what I'm gonna see next. I'm about to see one of them, but not yet. Not until Lexington, and we're just coming up on 68th. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why not? Oh, it just seems a funny thing to say before hello or anything. Maybe one day you'll want to remember the first thing I ever said to you. Maybe it should be more interesting than hello. <laughs> and she likes that. It keeps her looking at me, smiling, assessing me. All through the 68th Street stop. <laughs> the train moves from the lit platform into the dark tunnel, turning windows into mirrors. That part about vampires not reflecting? Bullshit. We just don't like what we see sometimes. Anyway, Leather likes what she sees. My clock was stopped young, but living this long? You gain confidence. Her face is close to mine now. The warm, fake fruit smell of chewing gum on her breath. I take her chin in my hand to gently point her mouth down at mine, because we're about to kiss. She darts her eyes at the Chinese woman to see if she's watching. But I guess Danielle Steele can write the fuck out of a book, because the lady's face is eight inches from the page. I put my hand on her ass. She leaves it there. After a second, though, she pulls back, smiling in that, wait a second, wise guy, what's going on, way? That really means, we'll be fucking soon, but I don't want you to think I do this all the time. Even though, I probably do this all the time. The train swings around the curve in the dark, and the lights flicker. She stumbles in her platform shoes, and I catch her. Then, something moves in the next car. I look through the portal windows like looking into a fish tank. And I see her. It's a kid, a little girl, holding a raggedy hand doll. The girl's got long, straight black hair, pale skin. It's pretty, but something's off. She's sitting near watered-down James Kahn. Seems interested in him. Now he looks back at her and stares. Is this what I think it is? It's all wrong, and there's something else that's weird. She's in makeup. Like, a lot of makeup. Meanwhile, my new girlfriend's oblivious to the drama in the next car. So what's your name? Uh, Joey. The train swerves again and the lights flicker. I can still see. The Chinese woman looks up from her book. Something moves in the next train. The dark. Now the girl is next to him. It's like a strobe in slow motion. She's holding the man's hand. Like she's his daughter, but she isn't. She's charmed him. A vampire? That young? She looks seven. It's obscene. Turning people is on purpose. What do you turn a kid that young for? Now she looks at me. She looks through me. Eyes at once haunted and haunting. A kid who's seen too much. A kid who's died and come back, but still likes Raggedy Ann. 
can't remember the last time I caught a chill, but I catch one now. The girl gets off at Grand Central with James Caan, but leaves his briefcase. Just leaves it sitting there on the train. That's when I know he's going to die. Two little blonde boys join the girl, one taking the man's free hand, one skipping alongside. They're pale like her, very pale. I already know, though I don't know why, that something just shifted, like a train changing tracks, heading for a wreck. Hey, aren't you gonna ask me my name? Huh? No. <laughs> Fucking dick. Hey, happy Valentine's Day to you too, I get off the train to follow the kids. Margot will want to know what's going on. I should really follow them, figure out where they sleep, see how many there are. James Conn looks stunned, drooling all over himself, but nobody gives them a second glance. Why would they? This is Grand Central. Harry Krishnas dances statically near a bag lady with a Burger King crown. A drunk is puking in the trash while holding out his slice of pizza so he doesn't get any on it. And a happy family is going home. Only the children aren't children. And the dad just took his last train. But then, just before I lose them in the crowd, the little girl looks back at me, as if daring me to follow. Won't it be a fun game if I follow? What things they'll show me if I follow? She holds fake dad's hand with one hand, and with the other she holds her doll's foot so its head drags on the ground. I just watch Raggedy's head bounce until they all disappear in a sea of strangers. I don't follow them, and it takes me a while to admit why I don't. It's because I'm a little, you know... It's hard for me to say this, but I'm... I'm scared. Episode 1, Dark City. The Lesser Dead was performed by Jack Kilmer as Joey Peacock. Minnie Driver as Margaret McManus. Saul Rubinek as Fetko. Directed by Dan Blank. Written by Christopher Buhlman. Series created by Christopher Buhlman based on his book, The Lesser Dead. Executive Producers, Mark Stern, Joshua D. Mauer, Christopher Buhlman, Minnie Driver, and Jack Kilmer. Producer, Alexandra Whitman. Original audio production, music, and sound design by Salt. Producer, Ali Strobel. Original music and composition by Benjamin Sterling. Sound design by Christopher Bonas.